Okay, cool. Thanks for coming, guys. I'm so excited that you're all here. We've been working on this for the past couple weeks and just really feel like the Lord's been speaking to us about it and um, even looking forward to ourselves, like, as we're talking, you know, um, and listening to other people that we're going to learn something to. And so uh, I'm just going to pray and then Ian and Hannah will do the first session. Does everybody also have a... And just so you know, this handout is not, um, it's not going to be following, like, what we're talking about. This is um, kind of a tool that we'll be addressing later. So if you're confused looking at it while we're talking, don't be because it's not what we're going over. So Where are they at? I would encourage you to um, take notes as you, as you feel led through this, or, like, if you feel like the Lord is kind of tugging on your heart about any of the concepts, um, or if anything is kind of like repeating and standing out to you, I would encourage you to maybe jot down a little note, and, um, just so you can remember later when you come back. So, I pray to get us started. Um, Jesus, we we thank you for for what you've done for us. That you you redeemed us. Um, you redeemed us from a life of sin and death um, to a life of light and devotion to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Lord, I just as we go into this, I pray that um, your heart would be revealed and that we would understand that um, I just feel like you're laying on my heart, like it's, it's Devo life, not Devo time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, Lord, just speak to speak to every heart here what you, what you know we need to hear. And uh, I just pray that you would anoint everybody who's speaking that it would be your words, uh, and not human words. In Jesus' name. Yeah. 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 Good. Just to have like a uh, some sort of booth or podium, but now we're just like right here, face to face. It's great. Um, Devo life. Um, I'm here to talk about kind of motivation. So just the first couple minutes about this. Um, but uh, something I want to say to you guys is uh, obviously you guys know at least a little bit of. Uh, motivation behind it because we're here now and want to learn um, and kind of uh, increase your knowledge in this area. Um, this is something that I've delivered a lot of my time uh, just in my own personal walk of my medieval life in. And it's come to a lot of fruit and um, helps us align our life with God. Um, so, we're really glad we're doing this. Um, sweet. Uh, as I was thinking about like my own personal motivation, uh, what I guess some of your motivations might be for uh, devotional life. Uh, the first couple things I thought about was uh, like changing my own life to look more Christ-like. Uh, we see a lot of that in the Bible. And uh, also increase my own faith and my own walk with God. And as I was like kind of typing this all out and thinking through it and praying about it, God put on my heart, you're, you're, you're focusing more right now 
on my own increasing to God, like me trying to reach up to God. God's like, well, there's as good as long as the end goal is to become like him and to know him better, not for our own personal gain. Um, it's like there's, there's other uh, reasons outside of just your own personal gain. Um, and, and the aspects of God is worthy of, of our time and devotion. And so that is a heart motivator for us, um, which doesn't like step us forward or increase us, but it's just because of him and his worthiness. Um, so his worthiness and that he is the truth. Uh, are the, the two things that kind of stood out to me that God was kind of telling about. Um, that even if um, I didn't feel his presence necessarily or felt like I was increasing my own life or um, changing and adapting, which a lot of those things do happen, but even if those things didn't happen, I would still do it because he is true. And, and that's like, uh, I don't know if that kind of resonates with you, but me and my like, engineering kind of straightforward kind of logical mindset of, of regardless of my feelings set that aside this is this is the truth so I'm going to strive towards that um, so that really helps me but maybe some of the other conditions kind of help you guys so um, a couple things um, the first one I talked about like us more Christ-like um, this was kind of highlighted in my own devotional life earlier this week uh, in first uh, Corinthians 15 uh, Paul talked about that there's some people in the church of Corinth uh, that didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. They didn't believe in the afterlife. And uh, Paul was like, well, let's, let's think through that. If that's true, then you would also believe that Christ didn't rise from the dead. And if that didn't happen, then uh, what he came to fulfill on earth um, also didn't happen. We're not free from our sins. Uh, there's be no reason for me preaching, and there'd be no reason for them to be learning in their own faith. So it's like futile, it's like worthless. Um, and so it's interesting to think about how there's like some aspects of our belief that uh, we're like, hey, we believe these things, but maybe not these things. Um, and that actually makes some of our faith just kind of fall over. And so it's, it's amazing to continue to be like, hey, I have this faith, but I know that I still need to learn. I still need to be molded still need to be changed and adapted and become more Christ-like. I'm not content where I'm at currently. Um, and so, so one of those motivations is to become more Christ-like and to be uh, more made, we are made in his image, but become more in his image also. Um, with this in mind, uh, we believe the Bible is true and we want to live out uh, the gospel as it said. Uh, Bonhoeffer says, when Jesus calls a man, he bids him to come and die. And there's, there's like an act of surrenderance. Um, and I'm not living my life for myself, and I'm living it for God. And so uh, that's one of like the motivators for me of, uh, Lord, you are worthy of my time in the mornings or throughout the day. Or I, I don't feel like I do this, but you are worthy of it. Um, and so, so increase, increase that. And that actually increases your faith as you kind of walk that out also. Um, but uh, I think it's in Psalms that says the... Um, God's word is a lamp between my feet and a light into my path. And it's like here now, but it's like one step forward also. It's kind of like pushing you to like the next steps. Um, hmm. what, which psalm was that? I don't know. Any ideas which psalm that was? 119. 119? Yep. Nice. Yeah, 119 really talks about um, the law. And actually, uh, I thought I was bringing that up. 
Yeah, that sums up a lot of this. Um, and I also want to, uh, the most impactful devotionals and times with God have almost always been me alone with the Lord. Um, reading the scriptures, praying, worshiping him. Uh, there's, there's power in us doing it corporately and us doing it together. Uh, Bible also says, uh, when two or three are gathered, then I'm in your midst. So there's like, there is benefit in small groups as well. And there's a lot of reasons why Apollos does small groups. Um, however, uh, us alone with God is where a lot of transformation will come. Um, also, when there is other teachings or us here today, things that I'm saying, um, Jacob's sermon, Eric's sermons next week, um, all, all these things, there's um, always a lot of good and maybe all true. Um, however, you should also always bring it back to uh, the Bible in your own walk with God and see if it's uh, backed that all up. Um, I love Jacob, and there's nothing I can remember that uh, he said that I don't agree with. Uh, however, I also um, love God and value him and his word, so I, um, that's kind of the lens we look it through of, of the truth and his word. Um, yeah, that's right. Boom! Boom! Uh, that was kind of like the motivational side of things, and then now Hannah's going to be talking about more of the purpose side of things. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, the purpose for devotional life, as we were planning and just thinking through, um, the word relationship kept coming up. The purpose of a devotional life is to have a relationship with the Lord. That is, like, why we do this. Like, that is the heart behind it. And as I was thinking about how do I express that, um, the Lord's like, well, what does a relationship look like? And so here's a few components that, um, just working through this with him and, like, evaluating my devotional time and some of the other interns' devotional times as well, is the first one, um, first component is an investment. So spending time and intentional time with someone develops a relationship. So if you think back to, like, Everyone, I would assume, has a best friend or a friend that's so close to them. But when you initially met them, you didn't know anything about them. You probably thought, hey, this person's pretty cool, and I want to get to know them. But it wasn't until you took the steps to continue on to pursue someone. And so that looks like walking, or not walking, you could walk, go on walks, or like hanging out intentionally with that person. And so over time, it grows into um, a deeper friendship and a deeper relationship, right? And as it continues to grow, you start to desire to be with them more and more. Um, and what's really cool is that just in my life with my best friend, I began to pick up on mannerisms that she would do. Uh, we would talk the same. We would start to uh, dress the same. Well, that was weird. But we dressed the same. <laughs> Not intentionally, but just because that's what happened. Um, but also, it got to a point um, where people in Outpost would be like, hey, where's Sarah, Hannah? Like, why isn't she here? Like, as if I would know where she was. Like, we were just so inseparable that people would just automatically assume that we would know everything about that person, you know? And so that's kind of where I want us to go with the Lord. Uh, as that example, to know so much about the Lord is kind of our end goal. It's where we want to be with Jesus. And, um, 
yeah, you, uh, there's also, it's really cool because you just get comfortable with someone. You get comfortable with the person that you're spending time with and it's just this outflow, it's the normalcy, I guess. And so if you're applying that back to God, the normalcy then becomes spending more and more time with him. It becomes having our hearts aligned. Not that our hearts can align with people necessarily, it can, but I think in regards to God, we begin to want what he wants. We begin to see how he sees people. We begin to be like, oh, like, that person's hurt. I have to go pray for them because God wants them healed, you know. Um, we just begin to think more like that person and therefore think more like God um, if we're spending that time, if we're doing that. Um, yeah, so a key aspect of this investment is that relationship takes time. And so if you're new and if you're entering into a relationship with God, you can't expect to be all the way over here. Like, there has to be this process of just going deeper with him and getting to know him because you can't just know someone in the first meeting. You have to invest in someone. Um, you have to invest in him. Um, and then another component, as I was thinking, was almost a sacrificial love, like considering someone above yourself. And with God, or actually with a person, like, that's not really a norm. I see it more as, like, a parent. Uh, sacrificing themselves for their child if this child is sick and they're up all night you're up all night you know not that we can fully relate to that but your parents probably did that for you and so realizing that it takes the sacrificial love of someone to desire to do something for someone else um same with us and like our response to god like if we might not want to get up at 7 a.m before our 8 a.m class to go spend time with him but, I mean, he died on the cross for our sins. Like, he's worthy of us <laughs> giving up an hour's worth of sleep for him. He's so worthy of that and desires to be in a relationship with us. Like, when there's an act on our part that we have to do, but then God fills the rest. Like, he is like, hey, like, just do this, and I'll meet you the rest of the way. Like, it's never a, we have to work hard just to keep going and going and going. Like, God will always meet us exactly where we're at if we're willing to spend time with him. Um, and uh, um, and another part of relationship is just talking. Um, talking with the Lord and investing into him in that way of spending that time with him. Like I said, time is like quality time, but then Talking with him just allows us to understand more of his heart and understand more of what he desires. And then it also gives us a chance to hear from him. And I know we'll get back. Will that be touched on a little bit later? But it, if you're in a friendship and someone dominates the conversation, it's really hard to want to hang out with that person, you know? It's really hard to be like, okay, like cool, all your problems are just laying out. Um, it's a two-way street. Been there, done that. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's not fun. Um, it's not. <laughs> um, but Jesus wants to be invested in us and wants to walk with us. And a true friendship means you give and you take and you have that like, deepness about it that you can trust and rely on someone. Um, yeah, and it I think this kind of goes with like the sacrificial love and just like wanting to spend time with him more and more and more. And, 
um, our feelings don't dictate us, our thoughts, um, our feelings should not dictate our life. Um, God is not a feeling. We are not a feeling. Um, we have feelings and they're used very well um, to understand God and to understand people, but we cannot say, I don't feel like it. A relationship with God is one that we commit to. Relationships are commitments and you can't just put him on the back burner just because you don't feel like it. Um, one, because he is God of the universe, and if he was visible to us, if we could see him, like with Jesus, the disciples dropped everything to go follow him because they're like, he has something. He has called me. He wants a relationship with me. And that's what he's asking for all of us to do is maybe not like drop out of school. Do that. I mean, if he is, like really just seek. Because <laughs> I think there's a purpose in where he has put us in. No matter what situation we're in, we can glorify him in. And, but he does desire our time. And yeah, he, he deserves our time, if anything. But um, feelings don't dictate us. The truth does. Um, he does. He is so worthy of that. Um, yeah, so it's kind of seemed a little jumbled to me, but relationships with the Lord um, as best seen as a relationship with each other, and oh man, thank you Jesus. Um, so I got this image um, earlier this week about a triangle, and it's just like perfect unity. So a triangle has three sides, right? So God is up top, you are over here, and others are over here, and you need the connecting points to all of them to actually make it a triangle. And in a relationship, like you should have a relationship with God. So it's like that edge, right? And then other people have a relationship with God, so that builds that edge. And then us and other people have this relationship with one another. And it's complete the triangle for one, and that's like the perfect harmony. But if we don't take the time to have that relationship with the Lord, we are severing that triangle and then severing overall what the Lord has desired the church to look like. Um, or the other way around, if other people aren't to the Lord, like there's not that completeness of it, and that's not his desire. His desire, we are made to be in a relationship with the Lord. We were made to walk with him. That's why Adam and Eve walked with Jesus. Sin destroyed that, but Jesus came and redeemed that, and so we were made to walk literally with Jesus. Um, and I'm sure I'll get back to the triangle analogy a little bit later in another talk, but just like think like we were made to have this time with the Lord and um, he wants it. It's not just us wanting it, he wants it too. That's how a relationship works. Like you are desired by God and we should be desiring God as well. So that's this part of the relationship that was really gonna come talk about some scripture. start fleshing it out um, and we're starting with a biblical example um, and that is King David 
um, who you all are probably familiar with um, as the man after God's own heart. Um, so I was reading, uh, I was reading the other day in Chronicles, and uh, if you guys want to turn to First Chronicles 17, uh, we can we can look at it together. We're not going to read the whole thing. If you want to read the whole thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's First Chronicles 17. 17. Yeah, 17. And so, yeah, like I said, we're not gonna we're not gonna read the the whole thing. Um, I'll probably I'll probably start in verse 16, but um, just to give you guys a little bit of context, um, and also uh, keep in mind that. Right now, the Bible I'm reading out of is New King James, so if, it, if there's anything like that sounds a little funky, I apologize. Good job, Bible. So you said the New King James, right? Huh? The New King James? Yeah, that's what I'm reading out of, but like, use whatever you okay. use. Yeah. Uh, so, preceding this, um, so David at this point has already gone through like all of his. Um, kind of all of his, the early trials of his life. Um, and he, he is now king at this point. And so uh, the prophet Nathan comes to him and just kind of shares the Lord's heart with him. And the Lord uh, in this makes the promise that, um, I, I can even start reading in, um, I think verse 11, um, the Lord was um, saying through Nathan, and it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He will build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. Um, I will be his father, and he will be my son. He will not take, I will not take my mercy away from him, as I took it from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne will be established forever. Um, according to all these words and according to his vision, so Nathan spoke to David. And then, right now, like David's response um, is what kind of got me and and stood out to me. Um, he in this next part, like it says, King David went in and sat before the Lord. Um, like he went in and he just like in response to everything that the Lord did did for him and was going to do after, you know, with his family. Um, he just goes in and like sits in God's presence and he says, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? Um, and yeah, he just, he go, he just, he continues to go on and on. Like, um, you know, we could be here all day if we read everything that David said and did, but just, just that picture is what I really kind of want you guys to, to grasp and visualize. Like, picture, picture him just going, and like, like just in the temple, just like getting on his knees and being like, like, who am I, God, that you would be so kind to me, and just wanting to go and like praise him and sit in his presence. Like, it's a beautiful picture to me. And it really, it really stuck out to me, and I think that that's where, that's where David's heart was, I think, really his whole life, um, was really just seeking the Lord and his, and his presence and his glory. And, 
Yeah, I feel like I'm supposed to say this right now. Um, the reason, a reason that I found when I was kind of studying um, about this, um, so there are a couple verses, um, if you want to write them down and look them up later, that like reference David as being a man after God's own heart. It's 1 Samuel 13, uh, verse 14. And then in Acts, um, it talks about it in chapter 15, verse 22. Um, just referencing that like David is a man after God's own heart. And in both of those verses, too, there's a reference to obedience. Um, and a reference to uh, him doing God's will. And something I've been learning more and more is that God's will in our lives is good, pleasing, and perfect. It says that in Romans. And so, yeah, just know that know that, that is also having a, having a willing and obedient heart, I think, is a huge, huge aspect of living, living life with the Lord. Um, I think that if there is disobedience, that is kind of a barrier to everything else. And this concept will probably come up again in this teaching. But, um, let's go. Let's go to Psalm 63. Um, it was really hard for me in prepping this because I love the Psalms. Um, and there's just like, there's just so much good stuff in there. Um, and just so many amazing examples of what it is like to have a heart and a mind in love with the Lord. Um, but yeah, I just really kind of felt like this one addresses not only desiring the Lord, but also um, the concept of meditating on Him. Um, so Psalm 63, verse 1, starting in verse 1. O oh God, you are my God, earnestly I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Um, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live, and I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul will be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go down to the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword and be apportioned for the jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Um. So yeah, this is this is when David was in the wilderness, and yeah, for time's sake, like I mean, you could like you could just like dig so deep into this, and I encourage you to like please do that on your own in your in your Devo time, like in that time that you set aside. Like there's just so much depth to it, but um, yeah, the whole like dry and thirsty land, like I feel like that's kind of where we're at right now in this world. Um, and it's just, it's just a picture, if you can imagine, like a picture of longing, longing for water. And we just got done with the week of prayer and fasting, so maybe some of you can relate to this on the level of not having food 
you know, kind of that like longing, like your body is like, I want food so bad right now. And it's like that, um, but with our desire with the Lord. And basically it says that because of his intrinsic value, because of his love, because of his kindness, that's, that's why we are, that's what we're meditating on. Meditating on everything that he's done for us, you know remembering things from our things from our past remembering what he did on the cross all of those things so it's good as david um, kind of gives us the example to to meditate on things i think is really what i'm kind of trying to get at is to really like take time to sit down and like dig deep into these concepts Okay, and then um, a couple different different forms of, I guess, worship in a sense that we see from David's life. Uh, there was a point I think that we've probably all were kind of familiar with it, where David dances. They're bringing back the ark, and like he's just like he's just going at it. I mean, like the dude is like dancing in a way that's like not even necessarily culturally appropriate. Um, but like he doesn't care, like he's just dancing before the Lord and you know singing. And obviously, he wrote like a lot of the Psalms, so he wrote poetry to the Lord. He told the Lord and expressed to Him how he felt, um, and put that in in word form. He also established uh, musicians to play in the temple like constantly. It was literally people's jobs to just play music to the Lord all the time. So that was, a, that was a value, and I think that that can still, all of these things can still be a different way to worship him today in our, in our devotion time. I had a friend who, she, she's just super artsy, right? And so when she was spending time with the Lord, sometimes she would just like paint, and the Lord would speak to her through kind of just whatever came out um, on her canvas. And so... I, I guess I'm trying to, and we'll, again, we'll probably hit on this, but just know that there are like broader horizons uh, of ways to worship the Lord. In Colossians 3.23 and Ephesians 6.7, they both talk about um, doing things as, as unto the Lord or as, as you are serving the Lord. So even, even the mundane things, quote unquote mundane things, of life, like that's another way to be devoted to the Lord um, as you're as you're walking through and doing things like doing it with joy um, as unto Him. And then the the last thing that I have for David's example, we're gonna hop over to Psalm one nineteen, which by the way that verse reference was one oh five um, from earlier, talking about Him being a lamp unto our feet. Yeah, and um, again, it's like all of it is so good and so deep that it was really challenging. It's challenging for me to not just like sit here and read all of Psalm 119 to you. We're not going to do that because it's super long. It's like over 100 verses. But we're just going to kind of read, and it's scholars, it's not, it's not for sure that David wrote Psalm 119, but scholars think that it's very likely. And I think that even if he didn't, it reflects his heart. 
because people were kind of almost copying him in a way with the Psalms at this point. Um, so yeah, I guess I will just start. It's also good. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start in verse one, and we'll read a little bit of it, and then I'll get myself to stop. But it said, "Blessed are the undefiled in in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. You have commanded us to keep Your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep Your statutes." Then I would not be ashamed. When I look to all your commandments, I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. And then it goes on to say, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. And with my whole heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. Yeah. And it just like keeps going like that, like so much. I didn't even make that connection when I had read Psalm 119 before. Like he talks so much about just like teach me your word. Like, feed me your word. Teach me your statutes that I might not sin against you, that I may have joy in life. And so, if there's anything that I think that we can take as an example from David's life in that, is that he loved God's word. It wasn't, it wasn't a burden to him. And that this was Old Testament law, too, that he's talking about. He's not, you know, he didn't have the New Testament. But he, he got it. He understood what the Lord was was getting at. He understood the Lord's heart in his word. And so it's, you know, an indispensable part, I think, of devotion life, if we can learn anything from David, is to, to know God's word so that we can be transformed by it. And so that we can be obedient. So, actually... Think that you are next, Jacob. Yeah, why don't we? I know we're going to do like a short break after. Why don't we go ahead and do that now? Sure. Okay. Are going to give it like, what, back in 10? Yeah. Cool deal. Hey, let's rally up. Let's party. Let's get going. Yeah. Um, wait, did you say you're doing it this weekend? Yeah, I'm going to be gone. We can Next week is the next week. Well, not so. Wait, next week is okay. Don't get it. Don't wind down. What we do is we start staring at the person who keeps talking, like in middle school, and then they'll eventually realize that they're the only one talking. What if they don't care? Sit down. Come on. <laughs> I love you, Peter. Um, hey, um, so here's the deal. Um, we've been talking a lot about the motivation of a good Devo life. We've been talking a lot about um, kind of the heart behind it, why we do it, what's the purpose. And I, I thought it was kind of suitable because 
from here on out, we're gonna start talking about a lot more practical things, things you should include, techniques to maybe kind of help your Devo life out, maybe some tools, um, and we'll even kind of hopefully have some time to address, like, let you guys ask, hey, this is an obstacle I'm dealing with, how do I overcome this in my Devo life? Um, can I get y'all to humor me and close your eyes real quick? I want you to raise your hand in this room if you, in the last, let's go with six months, have struggled with your Devo life in any capacity. Okay, now I want you to keep your hand up if you found it difficult to talk about it because you know that you should have a Devo life. All right, that's still about half of you. Okay, go ahead and open. Here's the deal. We knew when we wrote this kind of prepped this dig in or whatever discussion, whatever you want to call it, we knew that one of the things that is kind of difficult when we talk about a Devo life is we know a couple things is that one, it's supposed to be a very personal thing between you and God. And we also know that all Christians are supposed to have one. So we know that sometimes it can kind of be difficult to talk about the finer points of it because there's an aspect, I don't want to say shame, but there's an aspect of that you should kind of have a handle on it. And there's also sometimes kind of an aspect of like, well, it's a private thing anyway, so this is something I've got to work out. So my hope is, is that as we kind of start transitioning into some more practical aspects, that if you hear something that you've like, I'm about to talk about the Word of God here in a minute, which, you know, it's like, reading the word in your Devo time that feels really obvious. My hope is that if you hear something and you're like, I've already got that down, that you would keep your ears open and maybe hear about a new aspect of it. And then as you hear about things that you're like, wow, I really got to work on that, that we just have the humility to realize that these are things that require practice. You don't go to Calc 3 before doing Calc 1 and 2 first. And so it's the kind of thing of when you hear about certain aspects that we talk about from here on out, if you're like, wow, I don't even know how to approach that, that's okay. You guys are already in this room because you care enough about your Devo life that you want to be better at it, that you wanted to spend good time out of your sweet Saturday right smack dab in the middle of it to go hear about how to have a close relationship with God. So I just kind of wanted to address that before we go forward. Um, we kind of talked about a lot of these already, um, but as the interns kind of got together, we kind of were prepping this dig in and we knew we wanted to talk about it and as we talked about the practicals we kind of wanted to evaluate what are some things that we think are really like the core ideas of a diva life what are some things that if you're doing it right you know whether you're the kind of person who's going to dance like david into the lord or you know if you're an artistic type what are some things that you're going to want to include kind of no matter what and so with that in mind, there are a few here. We kind of narrowed it down to five, and I'm sure that we're going to wake up a week later and be like, oh, crap, we should have talked about that. But that's okay. Um, so here's some things. It's probably not comprehensive, and I'm probably not going to talk about every aspect of these. The first is that in your Devo life, you really probably should have some, act, some kind of reading or listening to the Bible or the Word of God in your Devo life. And that should kind of seems straightforward and pretty obvious, but one of the things that I think it's easy to neglect, I come from Oklahoma, and a lot of people think that this and prayer, which I'll talk about here in a minute, that this is something that it's like, hey, I gotta read two chapters a day and check it off your list. Or they're like, I just wanna understand the word of God better, and they just read it literally to absorb information. And that's that in and of itself is a noble goal, and I don't wanna discount the quest to understand God's word and understand that. But at the same time, we have to realize that the word itself has power. And Kaylee's already talked a lot about this. Isaiah 55 says, 
in Isaiah 55, God speaks to his people and he says, The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. This is God talking about his own word. And we have to realize that if we want to include an aspect of the word in our Devo lives, I, I really think that when we neglect that it has, it has power to transform us on its own. That God promises that it will produce change, it will produce fruit and blessing in people's lives. If we turn it into that, check it off the list, I want to read four chapters, I want to just read so I can understand, I think we're really missing out on a great gift God has given us. The very fact that we have this available, the, you know, 2,000 year plus history of the relationship between God and man available at literally our fingertips mm -hmm. on our phones and every translation imaginable um, I think is really something we have to admire and I think that when we turn to the word of God in our devil life and I'm aware that you're not going to feel it every day of the week but to understand that power I think is something that we need to not neglect um, the next is prayer um I think sometimes when we think deal for life, sometimes we limit it to just prayer. And again, I, I really think that for some of you, you're probably thinking like, this is one of the most obvious ones. And I think that, honestly, this is something that in the last year of my life that God's worked on me the most on, is my heart and my understanding for prayer. And I realize it wasn't until probably the last couple of years that I had really had a good grasp on the idea that God actually wants us to hear our prayers, that this is not a discipline of focusing on the Lord, that this is a discipline of talking to God and presenting requests before him, and honestly, God loves the mess out of it when we do that, and in Philippians 4, 6, Paul actually writes, don't worry about anything at all, but instead pray about everything and turn over your requests to God. Um, Matthew 7, Jesus compares this to the idea of, you know, if you go to your dad and say, hey, dad, would you give me a loaf of bread? In a modern context, we might say, hey, dad, I, I'm kind of hungry. Could I get a sandwich you know, if you're seven? The dad's going to make a grilled cheese sandwich. Uh, you know. <laughs> but then he compares it to, that's an earthly father. If you compare it to the heavenly father who knows eternally better what's good for us, not to discount our dads, but how much more if we ask God for good things will he do it? And it's the kind of thing, of, I, it, it, again, it really took me until a couple of years, I've been a Christian almost my entire life, to recognize God actually wants to hear these. These are not pestering God. This is not an option given to us by God. This is a glorious gift given to us by God. That we have a God that we can encounter, we can go to in prayer, that we can talk with as though he were close and right there with us, and to ask him things and really believe that he wants to provide those things for us. And so... Again, going forward, and I won't just re keep repeating this, please don't see prayer as something to check off. This is something God desires, and he loves it when we do this. Going on with that, we're going to kind of move into one thing that we, we kind of like wrestled a little bit with whether or not it was obvious, but I don't, I honestly don't think it is, is the idea of when we pray and when we have our deal life, do we have a heart of expectation? When you look at the people of the Bible, especially those who had enjoyed a really close relationship with God or did a lot of things for God, one of the things that you realize really, really quickly is that when they prayed, 
they expected God to move. It was not a matter of they, they said, God, would you, if it's, you know, it's up to you, God, but I think it would be a really good idea. If you think it's a good idea that, you know, my mom would read the Bible more, you know, or whatever else have you, but it's the kind of thing that when they prayed, they expected that God wanted to do it, and they expected that God would do it. Um, honestly, my favorite story, I, I've listed a few on the notes uh, that we have, and I'm not going to talk about all of them because they can get kind of long, but my favorite is uh, Luke 7 is the faith of the Roman centurion. To me, this is one of the favorites. So the Roman centurion really loved the Jewish people, um, and to the point where even other Jews say that about him, like, hey, this is a guy who's really cared a lot for us, even though he's a foreigner, <laughs> and for all practical purposes, he was an invader, and this guy loved the Jewish people, and so he has this sick servant that he actually really cares about, and he sends messengers to Jesus. He doesn't go to Jesus himself, but he sends messengers and says, you know, Jesus, would you heal my servant? And and Jesus kind of more or less, this is the Jacob Castro summary, says, I'm, I'm on my way, I'll head that way. And so the messengers go back to the Roman centurion and say, Jesus is on his way. And the Roman centurion immediately says, okay, now you need to go tell him this. And what the Roman centurion does, then does next is really fascinating to me because he says, Jesus, I, I'm not worthy for you to come to my house, which that in and of itself I think is really interesting, and I can probably talk for an hour on that. But um, what I want to focus on is what he says right after he says, don't come to my house, I'm not worthy. What he says instead is, I know that you have the authority to heal my servant just by saying it. And he said, and he elaborates, like, I have people under me, I'm under authority myself, and I understand that you have the authority to heal just by saying the word. And then Jesus turns around and says, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. So here's a non-Jewish guy who says, Jesus, I know you have the authority to do this. And that, in my head, when he says that, that's what Jesus says. Wow, that's amazing, incredible faith. The fact that Jesus points out that his faith was incredible when he says, you have the authority to do it, I think is fascinating. Um, and I think that, again, when we pray, I think the habit can sometimes be that we feel like we should just present our requests to God and then walk away from the table. But I think, how great are we missing out on the gift of prayer if we don't come in with the posture of hoping and expecting that God does want to move and will move? Mm -hmm. It's the kind of thing of, I can say that I think that that chair, that chair will hold me up, but if I'm not willing to sit down in it, what good does that do me? If you're willing to pray and ask for your request unto God, but you don't have the heart of expectation, I would challenge you to re-examine either who you think God is or what you think the purpose of prayer is or how God looks at your prayers. Because I really think that this is the kind of thing. God does not give us the gift of prayer to be an empty exercise. God gives us the gift of prayer because he loves our requests he wants to honor them and if we are willing to come with the heart of expectation that God wants to do something we're going to see a lot more of that happen um, and I think that that expands to more than just the idea of things that we want to see happen in our friends lives or in the world or with difficulties we face I think that is established in our own lives you see Jesus <laughs> um, encounter a man with a demon possessed child and Jesus honors his request because Jesus asks him, do you believe? And he says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And you get this aspect of Jesus honors that. Jesus says, when this man says, I, I believe, but I don't have the faith that I want to have, Jesus meets him where he's at and then delivers on that. And so it's the kind of thing of, 
not just what you want to see around you, not just to make the A on the test, not just to see your friend come to Christ, but the growth that you want to see in your life, to see your faith build up. If you're willing to bring that to God and have the heart of expectation, God will make good on that. Um, See what's next. Sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, one of my other favorites that I've learned about a lot, kind of in this last year, is this idea of abiding. Um, and this is something to to tell you about how new an idea it is to me. And not that it's new. I'm aware of it, but the idea that I've examined it a lot more closely is I've really started paying attention to when you read the scriptures and when you read about the people who enjoy a closer relationship with God. It's not just prayer, and it's something that Hannah and Kaylee have kind of already talked about. It's literally the time investment of being with God. Um, A really good example of this is in Exodus 33. So you see Moses is leading the Israelites in the wilderness. Moses is interacting with God on their behalf. Um, But he has this assistant named Joshua who's eventually, although they don't know it yet, going to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And so it's kind of an interesting thing, though, because what you see early on in Joshua is this desire to be with God. So Moses would go to the tent. You see this in Exodus 33. He will talk to God, and, and Joshua will be with him. And then Moses himself will leave the tent to go speak to the Israelites or what have you. And Joshua will hang out in the tent by himself. And so you see this desire, and you see it a lot with David as well. Um, and then so many others where there's a desire to just interact and be with God. And I think that, um, and we're going to talk about God speaking more here in a bit. I also think that in my own life I've seen that when I practice the, I don't want to call it a discipline necessarily, but when I practice the habit of abiding and resting and just being in God's presence, I'm finding that more and more often that that's when God's speaking to me the most. So it's the kind of thing of, I, if you're one of these people who are coming to this and you're like, I, not only do I want a more of a diva life, I want God to speak to me more, I would make this your first stop on saying, am I practicing this? Um, last but not least, and Hannah's talked a lot about this, is also the idea of obedience. Um, I really liked, I can't remember who prayed it, I think it was, I think it was you, who prayed about the idea that this is a devo life, this is not a devo time, this is not a devo habit, this is a devo life. And so one of the things I like about this idea of obedience is that you don't see people who enjoy close relationship with God that don't have an outpour of it. They don't have, hey, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to go on day normally. The idea of obedience is that when you read the word of God, you practice it. And it seems really simple, but it's hard to do. Um, James even compares it to the idea of you read the word of God and then you don't do what it says, you've forgotten what you looked like. It's like you looked into a mirror and then immediately forgotten what your face looks like. If our identities are really coming from a place of connection with God, if our, <laughs> if our faith in God is really determining who we are, this obedience should be incredibly apparent to those around us to the point where it looks different. Um, I invited Matt Hirschberg to speak at my small group, and he was kind of talking a little bit about what stuck out to him about Christian community when it kind of came into Outpost. Uh, and he said there were two things. He goes, one is people really genuinely cared about me. He, he said the first trip he had to a small group, he dumped literally all his crap on the table about everything he's done in his life, not to share his story. but And he said, but then the next day he had a guy say, hey, you want to grab coffee? 
And he goes, that, I was not their project. I, they cared about me. And I asked him, I said, was there anything else? And he said, the other thing was they genuinely, clearly cared about Jesus and they acted like it. And so it's the kind of thing, if I think when you, we have this obedience, it's going to be reflected and it's going to be obvious. Um, and I think we're going to talk a little bit more about it here in a minute. So that's about all I have. Again, these are not meant to be comprehensive. These are just meant to be five ideas of like, if you're looking to get a start or maybe restart your diva life, these are some things that you should really look to include. Um, so that's about it. I have no idea who's going to Could I ask a question? Um, you said to, there's this idea of abiding. Mm -hmm. So dwelling in his presence. How do we enter into his presence? What does that look like, especially if it's not just about a feeling? How do we distinguish that? One of the things that I really have kind of come to notice is that God kind of comes where he's invited. Um, and you see that in the Gospels quite a bit. You see that in Acts and other aspects quite a bit where people, when they want God, they ask him to come and God's willing to come. And I think so. I think there's an aspect of faith involved if you're not quote-unquote feeling it, but just to literally say, Holy Spirit, would you come into this place? Like that sounds like a really cool worship song, but I think if we're really willing to practice that and believe in it and have that heart of expectation like I talked about, we can really rest and abide in that presence. Um, the other thing I think is that I think sometimes it's it's an aspect of being willing to commit. Um, you see, <laughs> you see one of the other stories that I considered talking about was Daniel nine. Um, I don't think we've talked about it yet today. No, okay. Daniel nine has this really cool prayer where Daniel is praying for the Jewish people, and then it's not. It says, while I was praying, this angel showed up, and then the angel responded to his prayer. And it's the kind of thing of the issue to respond to Daniel's prayer was given at the beginning. That's one of the things the angel says. He says, when you started your supplications and prayers, the order was given out that you should be given a response. But it's the kind of thing of Daniel not knowing that kept praying. And it's the kind of thing of God literally interrupted his prayers. And so it's the kind of thing of if you're wanting to practice the I struggle to call it a discipline. If you're wanting to practice abiding, know that I really do think persistence is going to be key. And I do think, again, God is faithful when we invite him into a physical location or into our time or into our day. So, Thanks, guys. <clears throat> yeah. Cool. Man, I love, in preparation for all this, we just realize how intertwined everything is. And so I might be repeating a little bit of what Jacob said, but it's just because it's the truth in this part. So I'm gonna be talking about hearing God's voice. And first, I just wanna say guys that God is alive and therefore speaks. Um, Jesus did not stay in the grave. <laughs> he came up and then he ascended into heaven. So we can have faith that he is alive and that he speaks. Um, and in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So literally, the Bible is God. Like, Jesus is the Word of God. Like, Him walking on this earth, all that we read is just anointed by God. And those who wrote about Him, there's like over 55 authors, I believe, um, were anointed by the Holy Spirit to write these words. It was not just a random 
accumulation of all these things. Like the Lord was had his hand in it at all times, and he has been the word from the beginning, and so he knew all that was coming into this. And so with that picture in our mind, God wants to speak to us. Holy crap. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just puts me in awe that the Lord wants to be in the, he wants to talk to us and he wants to answer our prayers. I think, Jacob, you were right on in just saying how active the Lord is and how if we come expectantly, he will be there. He will respond to us because he is a good God, because he is a God that is a part of our daily lives, right? If we allow him to continue being a part of our daily lives, he will be constantly with us and therefore speaking to us. Um, and I'm going to get into a few practicals right now, um, but just to note that because the Bible is truth, God is truth, or the Bible is truth, we should be taking all back to it, to be comparing and to be just like testing what we hear. And so I know Ian mentioned this about like whatever staff is saying, whatever your pastors are saying, like you should always come back to that because this is truth. And from there we can go on and live our lives knowing that it is true. If it compares and relates to who Jesus is and keeps up with his character and what the Bible is saying, it is truth. Um, and so, and how the Lord might speak to us, speak as in, there are many ways. We see in the Bible that audibly he speaks. He <laughs> spoke to Saul on the road to Damascus, right? It was like an audible, loud voice um, stopping him in his tracks. Um, and he might speak to you. I don't know. I think this is a topic where it depends, and it depends because we are all made so uniquely in the image of God. And as a body, right, as that triangle comes about, the body represents who God is. And so I wouldn't want each of us to hear the Lord exactly the same because God is so much bigger than that. We are have a part of him. And so how he speaks to us is going to be so different because that is the beauty of it. We get to learn from one another about who God is more and how he speaks to us more and more. And so it's just like this revelation that each of us brings to Jesus and to each other. And it's just such a beautiful, beautiful picture. Um, but one of the first ways he speaks is through his word. Um, scripture itself is powerful and mighty and is living and active and alive, and God speaks through it. Um, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but when I'm reading, there are scriptures that are highlighted, maybe a whole passage, maybe a verse, and it's kind of like I stop and I'm like, why is this highlighted to me? Why am I... Why can't I move on? And guys, that's the Lord speaking. That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, wake up, pay attention. Like, this is important to understand. And sometimes we don't fully have the answer to why it's standing out. So I would encourage you to ask him. Um, give, uh, allow him to tell you why it's important. Um, because the more revelation we have, the more we can understand who he is and what the Bible is saying. And he wants us to understand that is so key. He wants us to understand. And so ask him. He's not afraid of our answers. He can defend himself and he will respond to you. Yeah. Um, and then another way um, is through each other. Um, and this is a key when it comes back to bringing it back to the word, I think, for the most part. Um, we should be hesitant, or not hesitant, but we should be taking what we hear captive and putting it back to the Bible. But um, at Outpost, at church, the pastors, guys, these people are 
preparing and asking the Lord to speak. And so they're doing their part in like <laughs> asking the Lord. And then we have part two to ask the Lord to prepare our hearts. Because what they're speaking, I believe, is being anointed by the Holy Spirit and by the Lord. And the Holy Spirit, we reason why pastors pray before is to like, get their mind focused, but I think also to allow like permission for the I'm like speaking, sorry permission for the Lord to to move and to be active, and so we have a part then to like receive. We have to have a heart where we can say, okay, God, speak to me through this way, and trusting that it's the Lord. I think it's spot on. Where if we don't have an expectant spirit, guys, we it's going to be harder. You're going to inhibit yourself from being able to hear God's voice because you're saying, no, that's not true, when it actually is true. Um, and, yeah. Um, another way um, we can hear the Lord in our lives is, I think it's been mentioned before, but just by what we're doing, Kaylee mentioned the girl that draws, and, it, like, the Lord speaks to her through that. Um, I think because we are all uniquely made and have different gifts and talents, um, that he wants to speak to us through those ways. Um, I know for me, he <laughs> speaks to me through writing to me. Um, I, in order for anything to stick in my mind, I have to write it down. And so he knows that about me. He knows personally what I need. And so he's going to speak to me how I need to be able to learn and be able to understand more clearly. Um, I know Dylan, sorry to use you, but we're talking about you. Um, and how you work on cars or like have a project that you do with the Lord and that is your like deep time with the Lord and so it's different like I don't necessarily need to do anything to go be with the Lord I can just sit and have that coffee time with Jesus you know it's awesome but Dylan needs to be actively doing stuff to be with the Lord and that's good like both ways there's not a wrong or right way like that is how the Lord speaks to us and so we need to be aware of how he is uniquely designed us to be able to hear from him and to be able to speak to us and be open in those moments to hear him. Um, I also want to say that it's not, I had to come to a point in my life where I allowed him to speak. And so not only the expectant, the expectant spirit was like very much a part of it, but until I got over the fear, or not over, over the misconception that I had to ask other people to understand the Lord and what he was trying to tell me. Like, I was going to my father. I was going to my small group leaders, just asking them, like, what is, what's God's heart in this? Like, what is, and then finally I came to a point, like, why am I asking others? I could just ask God. Like, he loves me so much, and he heals, he does all these things, so why can't he speak to me? And so once I got over that hump that he could actually speak directly to me was when I started he started writing to me, and it wasn't a lot. It wasn't by any means a lot, but like at least I was allowing myself to be open to that. <laughs> Sorry, and then, actually this ties in, it's cool. Um, so a few months after I had allowed that to happen, um, it was a very inconvenient day on, in the BSB, and I was wearing a hoodie and jeans, and I was like about all the clothing, but, or all that, the warmth that I had, and it started snowing, and I live in Corbett. And that was a trek to get to. And I just started being like, man, this is terrible. And I just like started ranting to the Lord. And he was like, Hannah, stop. Stop. Like, let me show you how beautiful this is. And it ended up, he gave me a lesson plan for small group. I wasn't even a small group leader. And I came to my small group leaders and they made me teach it that night. Yeah. 
But I wouldn't have gotten to that place had I not have first allowed him to start speaking to me, allowed my heart to be open to receiving what he had. And so I think there's a connection of like the starting point and then what he can do after. And we were talking about like the relationship aspect, it develops, it develops, it gets more and more strong. Like now I feel like there are so many ways that the Lord can speak to me and I just have to like kind of tune in to hear him, but I wouldn't have been able to do that back my freshman year. There's no way, but now I can. And so just as an encouragement that takes time and expectancy um, to develop is something that, yeah, the Lord desires to show you. He desires to show you. He's a good God that desires to be a part of your life and to show you how he works. Um, and also that he's capable of anything. He is God. You know, he can use any situation. He can use any moment in your life to speak to you. Um, and yeah, that we should be expecting that, that. But he is capable of doing something that you would never expect because we don't think like him. He knows all and is all in his present, past, and future. And if we give him that rightful ruling or that rightful place in our hearts, then anything is possible <laughs> with him in that. Um, and then there are a few ways that we can hinder ourselves from hearing the Lord. Um, and the first one I think has been touched on a lot is disobedience. Honestly, um, if you are purposely disobeying the Lord, you have become, you have separated yourself from him. He cannot dwell with evil. Not like sin and him cannot coexist together and expect like he has grace and that's what is so crazy and mind blowing about the Lord, but God is uh, perfectly good. Um, and so if we are not obeying what he has asked us to, that can really hinder ourselves with him. And a good reflection, if you are not hearing the Lord, let the Lord speak to you in whatever way he might want to speak to you, is asking what the last thing he asked you to do, and are you doing it? Because mm -hmm. um, if you're not, then you have a starting place. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. And then, please, like, <laughs> if that is the case, just make it right right now, because Life is so much better if you make it right with the Lord. Um, you'll be more free than ever. Um, and then another thing that we've talked about is our unbelief. If we are hoping that maybe, Jesus, you will hear my prayer, and I know Jake touched on this, but you don't fully believe that he will, he won't. You're, you're going to, not saying that he won't speak to you, but you're going to, like, in your mind, reject the words that he is trying to say to you. Um, because you're going to doubt. You're going to be like, huh, maybe, maybe that was just me. And the Lord's like, I am literally speaking plainly to you. Please listen. And you're like, oh, I don't know. Is that you, God? And he's like, yes. And you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Our minds are so funny. <laughs> Our minds are so funny with that. And we self-doubt. And I mean, guys, if you feel like you don't know, take it back to the word. Write it down. Please write it down and then take it back to the word because if he is speaking, he's speaking to you and you should be listening and obeying and that's exciting. So listen, <laughs> take it back and challenge it. But if it is him, it will always be right on track. It will always be on the point and in your spirit also, which I think is wonderful, you will know if it is him or not. Um, and then oftentimes, in prayer, we 
like to talk, and I had mentioned this earlier, where like you just go on and on and on and on, and you never give the opportunity for the Lord to speak. Um, so are your prayers including God? Are you giving him time for you to sit still and wait and for him to speak? Um, and sometimes it can feel awkward. <laughs> it can be really awkward, and you're like, all right, God, how do you talk now? But I think when we start getting to that place, We've lost the expectancy of that. And so checking our hearts to be like that, like you are speaking. I trust that you speak, and I desire to know you more. I desire for my heart just to hear your voice, to experience you more and more and more. Like It's about the heart, guys. It's not about whether he's speaking or not. It's our desire to know him and to be with him. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Um, but I do want to say that like doubt is one of the most common ways that you won't hear from the Lord but yes but have hope because God is real and alive and he doesn't want to speak to you but I want to bring up Dylan I forgot what you're talking about so yeah thanks <laughs> So my section was called Helpful Analogies. Um, I'm going to change it to Helpful Nuggets. Um, so Dylan's Nuggets. Wow, Peter. So these are just some things in my life that have helped me over the years and um, that people have told me throughout my walk with the Lord that have really stuck with me. Um, you know, like when you have... Uh, something someone says and it just like sticks with you and it's like I've heard I don't know how many sermons in my life but there's like certain ones that I can like tell you like exactly what they were talking about just because it stuck with me so um and I guess the overall premise that I have three nuggets I'm going to share with you guys um is kind of like it goes back to kind of what Ian was talking about at the very beginning like when you're in your Devo life and you have basically there's like reading the word there's um praying and then there's worship are kind of the three main aspects of that. And so for the first one, um, kind of highlighting scripture, um, I was talking to a pastor uh, named Wayne Cordero. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard of him. He's from my hometown, um, but he's written tons of books. A great book to read about Devo Life is The Divine Mentor. Um, and it's all about just like getting the most out of scripture and it's super easy to read. Um, but he was talking to me and he was telling me the story about he saw this dog um, and this dog had this, like, big bone, and he, like, the dog went and dug a hole to bury this bone, and he put the bone in, and then he put a little bit of the dirt over the top of the bone, and then he took a smaller bone, put it in, and then finished burying it, and he was, like, watching this dog, and he's like, you know, what's this dog doing? <laughs> you know? And pretty soon, this other dog came along, and he could sniff, he could smell the bone, and so he dug up the bone, and he found that little tiny bone, and it was all happy and ran off, but the big bone was still lower in the ground. Um, so, like, when we're reading scripture, a lot of the time, like what Hannah was talking about, you'll have those scriptures that are highlighted when you're reading. You're like, ooh, that's good, and then you, like, just move on. And it's like God has something deeper he wants to show you there. So, like, really dig into that. Um, 
and journaling helps a ton um, in me in that way. And I used to do soap, if you know what soap is. Um, you write down the scripture, observation, and application, and a prayer. I don't really do that anymore. Like, I write, like, a whole bunch of words, and you can probably find all the four of those things in there. But it's just a jumbled bunch of things that I'm just, like, verbally processing, but on a page. Um, but, yeah, I really dig into those because God's, like, like hinting at you almost. Like, hey, like, look, there's something here. And so dig deeper into that. Um, the what, second what, nugget. What was that method? Uh, it's, on your, it's on your sheet. So, hey, it's on your sheet. <laughs> <laughs> I did not make these sheets, so I did not know those. That, <laughs> that worked out. So uh, <laughs> my second analogy is just about prayer. Um, and so, like, uh, like, Peter loves playing guitar. Like, he was killing it on the electric guitar on Thursday. And, like, if, I don't know, so I apologize. I don't know. Who's, like, a really famous guitarist guy? Like, Jimi Hendrix. Cool. One of those guys. Um, <laughs> if he, like, walked in here right now and, like, looked at Peter, he's like, hey, I want to teach you how to play guitar. Peter would be like, like, yeah, name the time and the place and I'll meet you there. And, like, I'll learn how to play guitar from you. Like, that would be awesome, right? And so, like, God wants to teach us and he wants to be with us. So, like, in prayer, like... He's like, hey, I want to be with you guys. We're like, oh, you know, like maybe later, you know. <laughs> so it's like you wouldn't do that with someone like that. It's like God knows all, and so it's like, what an honor we have to sit with Him and learn from Him. Come um, on. My third nugget um, is kind of like different forms um, of worship, which has kind of been hit. Um, and I didn't tell the rest of the interns I was going to share about this. I just felt like sharing about it, like through the process um, of this. So, uh, like. I feel like I hear from the Lord the most through worshiping and song. Um, I've heard more that way than any other way. Um, and so when I was uh, still living in Oregon, one of my friends posted on Facebook, which, you know, like everyone posts cool things on Facebook that they think are like super cool most of the time I read them, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, can I move on? Like, and, but this one like stuck with me. I'm sorry if I offended any of you. But, um, but like she posted this thing and she said, if you are um, not worshiping in private the way you do at church, you're not worshiping, you're acting. And I was like, dang. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't think I've ever like worshiped in song in private by myself. Um, and so like I went home and I like put on some worship music and like it was the most powerful worship time I'd ever had in my life. Just doing it by myself with no one else there. That's cool. Um, and it really impacted my walk with the Lord starting to do that. So I would encourage you guys to try that as well. Um, and so like there's worship and song, there's um, writing psalms is something that you can do like David did, uh, painting, like whatever you're good at. Hannah mentioned that like I like to work on cars and do projects to connect with the Lord, which sounds really weird. And I've always been like, why did, why would God, like, I feel like I commune with God while I'm doing those things. It's like I'm in constant, like, conversation with God when I'm doing those things, which is really weird. Um, but, like, I picture it as, like, you know, like your parents want to spend time with you and, like, love doing what you do. And so, like, God is not a boss. Like, he wants to just spend time with you as a child. Um, and so, like, God loves spending time with me while I'm working on things because that's what I enjoy doing. And so him and I just talk, and he, like, helps me figure things out. Like, you know, like, when you're... Um, a lot of you probably don't have this experience, but like with my grandfather growing up, like I would spend time with him working on cars and he would like, I knew nothing about cars, but he could sit in his chair and he could tell me everything I needed to do while I was doing it because he had polio and he couldn't do it himself. 
but like it's the same what I do with God. Like I'm, my hands are doing it, but He's telling, giving me all the information because I have no training in how to do that. Um, so yeah, so it's like super cool. So like find that yeah, thing. I know sure. Eric Sandquist says that he talks to God a lot while he's running. Um, so like find your thing, and it's not. You need to search your heart in that because I think it's easy to like say like oh like. I connect with God when I'm working on stuff, so I'm like never gonna sit in my room alone and have Devo time, and I'm just gonna work on stuff all the time because that's how I connect with God. It's like you still need that alone, private time with the Lord. Um, so search your heart and don't make it an excuse because I think it's easy to do. But definitely find those things to like hang out with your Heavenly Father because like He loves that. So um, yeah, those are my nuggets. So
we there's there's an intern assignment where we had to memorize. Just just to strengthen your point, at the time that that was written, there was just the Old Testament. So Good. thank you. Yeah. Uh, sorry, but yeah, good. I was gonna say if you haven't read the full Bible, um, Old Testament, you really should because it gives you insight into all the Jesus and what he does and like the parallels, everything like they always reference. The Old Testament, and then it comes to life in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Just so, um, like, yeah, one time I read through the book of First Samuel. Like, I didn't know where the story of David and Goliath was before I read through. So you know all these stories, but then now you see how they all fit together. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I'd recommend doing that. And there's ways on your sheet to tell you, like, you yeah. want to do it in chronology, just in order, or there's many books out there, plans out there for you to read it in your whatever. I just a tip. I use a Bible plan. It's called a Life Journal plan, and it takes you through the New Testament twice and the Old Testament once in a year. And like, if you don't make it through that in a year, that's fine. Like, it's about like communing with God, so it's not like having a checklist. I need to get this many scriptures off. Um, but I feel like it's helpful reading the Old Testament and New Testament at the same time. Um, and also, when you're going through the books that are like really dry in the Old Testament, like all the law stuff it helps you to like stay on your devotional life when you like have like the new testament still to look forward to <laughs> you know um because like because like when you're leading reading through numbers and stuff you're just kind of like like i don't want to do this today <laughs> you know sometimes so i think it's helpful one two one um piece of advice that my old pastor back in oregon said one time when it comes to reading the word that has really changed like a lot of the way that I read the Bible for a while was um, like literally you guys you almost every book of the Bible can be read in a couple hours like if you're just reading it straight through and so like we think oh you know sometimes it's easy to be like oh I'm gonna get through two chapters well it takes like 10 minutes you know and so one of the um, useful tools is just to like if you're going to study a book of the Bible, like read the whole book in one sitting and then go back and study chapter by chapter because you get the big picture of it and like you're going to see how it works together a lot more and then you can go back and like read your footnotes in your Bible and journal and do the soap method and all of that. But like it can be really useful just to sit and like read through a whole book. If you've never done that, like try it. Literally it takes like not very long. One of the one of the other things that's kind of rocked my world a little bit is Tyler Schultz opened my eyes, and it's the kind of thing. If that feat, I have no idea how long this feature has been there, but if you have the version on your phone and you go to NIV, you can listen. To yes. It and it yes. 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 I was going to say like, that. Okay. Yeah. Not all versions. Can you, yeah. can you get it like download yeah. so you can listen to it offline? Yeah. I don't. There's apps I've had on my phone that's free that back, I can I'm just going to not practice what I'm about to tell you. I was listening to the Sermon on the Mount yesterday, but I had to use data, and that was kind of bumming me out. Well, so there, I am practicing my religion. You can use Wi-Fi while you're getting But honestly, like, it's really cool because at least the NIV, the guy reads it with emotion like it's not distracting it's but it's like you get the vibe mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah I don't I don't know I think it I, I think it down you can download the text but I'm not sure you can download I don't know yeah no you can, you can download, download audio on the app I have oh what's it called um 
Yes, it downloads. Uh, you can download like a certain number of chapters and then go through all those what when you don't have internet. Yeah, what is what is this? Uh, <laughs> what is this yeah, I'm Bible? pretty sure it was free. It's just audio Bible. Audio, audio Bible. Bible. Is there some guy with a Scottish accent? Yeah, also, and then you you download like book by book. Makes a lot of right on. What is fitting name? It's just audio. <laughs> literally, the app is called Audio Bible. It looks like this. It's this little green. Oh yeah, you probably can't see it. But if I put. Question, uh, I don't know what, what you're saying. Where should devotionals or modern day authors, how, how should those be used in the Like practically a manuscript there, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's a part of that thing. 
Well, it's still bound. Like he's had a rebound. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it's 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 or at least it looks like one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody else have any deeper life questions? Yeah. Just because we're, we're getting to the end of our time, that our room is reserved. So. Um, to the interns. Because this is kind of your job and your homework every week. How does that not become like work? How does that That's not a good question. Work? Your diva? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. Time, <laughs> like in the internship, you have you have to do it. Yeah. Which I mean, you did choose to do this, but like we chose to be in school, and yeah. I don't necessarily yeah. love right. doing homework. So I just want to know, like, how do you keep that passion up? I guess. For me, I realized if I don't pray before I do any homework, it becomes work. But when I invite the Lord into it and like teach me, um, same with the script, like same with the Bible, like no matter what I'm doing, like if I'm going into it with a heart of like God, I just want to know more and teach me. It keeps it away from the work stuff because we do have to read the Bible in here, and um, I don't know, it's the heart of it. It's the joy of like wanting to spend time with the Lord. And yes, we do get to check it off, but I don't I don't see it as that. I see it as just spending time with and also in ministry, if you don't spend more time with the Lord and you're a leader, you're gonna be drained so quickly. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. um, and so we do we need to be dwelling in that place in order to even give, <laughs> even to go about our day. So mm -hmm. I would say kind of similar, just putting God on the forefront of it. So like when you're having your Devo time, um, like putting that first um, in your day, um, which I'm more of a night person. So like before I did the internship, I actually no normally did my Devo at nighttime. Um, but I really felt like I needed to put it first um, in this time when I'm like constantly doing ministry stuff but then on top of that kind of what Hannah said is inviting God into what you're doing so then um, like even when we're reading like the theology book or other books that we're reading um, like I always pray before I start reading it um, and like ask God to give me discernment because the only book we know for sure that God inspired is the Bible <laughs> you know so like it's like there's error in like the theology book we read and there's error in all these other books that we read and so um, for God to discern that um, so yeah, and, and like, uh, I had another thought and it's leaving. Um, so like, yeah, just making it a priority to do that and inviting God into it. And like, I think also kind of like what Hannah said, when you aren't inviting God into that and it becomes like a project, then you're doing it to put it out. You're not doing it for yourself. So you get drained, and that's like where you see a lot of um, failure in ministry. Either people just quitting, or you know, or having some sort of failure of some kind, is when they're reading their scripture to, like, like pastors will like read it to give it to their congregation instead of reading it, taking it to their heart, and then giving it out. So like, it's a lot about positioning your heart when you're doing those things um, to be receiving it yourself, not reading it so you can give it to other people, basically. I think probably just wholeheartedly agree with a lot of what they said, but like I think for a more practical note for me is one thing I I, I have actively worked toward in the last few months uh, 
since I've started the internship is I, I think I've, one thing I've focused on is trying to make sure that some of my ego is set aside for my relationship with God. And actually, that I literally kind of try and dedicate me talking about now, our relationship and me and my wife and then I get the ministry. Because one thing I've kind of found is I think as far as my prayer life is concerned is that it's really easy to do what he said without reading the word of God with prayer also. And so I've kind of had to make some active choices to make sure that that's not the only conversation God and I are having. Uh, and so I think it's the kind of thing I think just as we think about like time of our day, you know, like giving time over to God, but think about what the content of your prayers are. And not overthink it, but just really consider like, hey, is this, you know, is my people like just consistent with me and the internship much longer, or is it consistent with me and the relationship with God so Yeah. Sorry, y'all can do now. I I have to go home because Nate has an LTC interview. Okay. There's one. I thought it was one. So, other interns have anything else they want to share? I have one. I have one thing. Just like ditto to what everybody else said. But I think that oh no, the thought is leaving. Come back. I got to stop yeah, just I, I think it has to do with like trusting um, trusting that like the Lord has already like ordained your days. Get it. And so No. Like finding finding rest in that and it's not, you know, not just with intern homework, although that's something that along the process that has helped me because to be honest like there have been times where it has just kind of been homework and I just like you know um go through the motions and the Lord has had grace with me in those modules but like um just just recognizing and understanding his hand in in every single aspect of your life and I'm you know coming to realize like the stuff that we're going through in the modules like it's literally lining up with my life and I'm like like how there's no way that like well I mean they could have maybe predicted it a little bit because they are people the people who put it together are filled with the Holy Spirit but um like yeah I go Jacob <laughs> I think that that has been a huge thing for for me to realize is just that the the Lord is the Lord really is always with you and he's he's already planned out your your journey. And so for me that it's just kind of resting in that and trusting that he's he's speaking to me through whatever I'm doing and I just kind of have to listen. Mm-hmm. I think that that's you know you kind of brush against something that got ordained too which is one of the things I was having a we were in a prayer meeting last it was just a lot of outpost guys last semester and I was praying that God would speak to people as well. It was one of the few times I really felt like I had like a really immediate direct response from the board. Was, Why do you doubt that I'm not already speaking to them? And so it's the kind of thing of like that's that's one thing that in the last few months that I kinda of had to course correct on is again going back to it that my ego life does not just consist of doing this. So Oh, I was just going to share something that at least opened my eyes up to in reading the Bible is actually writing on the Bible, um, which was actually really hard for me because I don't write in any textbook or anything else. And it kind of like broke that barrier of like, this is actually me having a conversation with God. 
And it's kind of like when you're talking with somebody, like, you listen and, they, and he'll say something and you'll be like, whoa, that's good. And that, like, moment of pause and kind of, like, highlighting, mm -hmm. in a sense. So, like, that physical action of basically just, like, eating in the Bible mm -hmm. really helps. Yeah. So, right in it, it it's hard. It's cool, but it's good. Something I've done with that is like making my own cross-referencing. So like if somebody is sharing about patience and they bring up like six or seven verses, then I'll write next to each of the verses the other verses so that later when it comes up, I can be like, oh, here are the other verses on it because I'm like, I go through journals so quickly, there's no way I'm ever going to find my sermon notes again. Like just the way I go through journals. So it's easier and it's all in one place in the Bible anyways. They kind of do that. So topically, I find that super helpful. I think it's really humble and teachable of you guys that have come to this that are students. Um, and most of you are extremely involved. So that just speaks to me of just your genuine heart to want to learn. So I just want to commend you for that. And give give what you have, not just that what you've learned today, but give what you have to other people. Because you know, we're people are looking, how do I spend time with Jesus? How do I make this connection? And I think you guys have some good keys to that. So be willing to give that out to other people too because they're looking for you to you as well. Yeah. Well, that was some good stuff yeah, from you guys in church. Yeah. yeah, our heart is not for this to just be like the one thing, but for it to like continue. So if you have questions like, and you're like, oh, like it's after one o'clock, you know, like, you know, you can always come find somebody in Outpost and we'll, we will gladly talk with you or have coffee with you if you have questions about anything. Like, oh, yeah. just to reiterate what Jacob said, like, please share what you've yeah. learned. Yeah. Thanks, you all. Thank you for coming. Amen. Yeah. Change the world. Change the world.